man, you know, not all wins are pretty, but a win is a win. If you're a fan of the Phoenix Suns, and you have been for quite some time, you would cherish the opportunity to have a win like they had tonight in Minnesota, defeating the Timberwolves by a final score of 99 to 96. No, no, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. But Matthew, these are the games we used to lose as a franchise, right? Yeah, and um, when I'm watching the game towards the end, I kind of just... It's weird. I'm into the game, but then I also am doing kind of other little things because I think I just know the Suns are going to win. It's just something in the back of my mind where I'm like, there's no way they're going to lose this. If they lose it, I'd be very surprised. But of course, I'm paying attention to the game. But the whole time, I'm like, they're going to win this. Even when they're down by five with five minutes left to go in the game, like this Suns are going to win this game. Well, and that's, you know, an interesting observation because it's true. You know, this is a team now that knows how to win. We we saw it last year as they were learning how to win. And that's what the front end of last season was. Through the first 16 games last season, the team was 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, now we are through the first 13 games and the team is 10 and 3 and on a 9-game winning streak. And the reason that you can put that together is because you can win in so many different ways and you've learned how to win. You learn how and Eddie Eddie was saying on the broadcast this evening. You know, if you're down four, you don't need a three with three minutes left was a quote that he said. And I thought that was very eloquently put by your step pep because it's true in the past. That is when we would see Booker ball where the team would be down by four points with three minutes left. And Devin Booker would go into isolation mode for 20 seconds of the shot clock and then hoist up a a contested three. Mm -hmm. And that's how you lose games. And we saw that the Minnesota Timberwolves do just that where D'Angelo Russell gets a, an offensive rebound and does a fadeaway three-point shot. You know, now granted, Pat Bev gets the rebound. He puts up uh, the and one. But it's it's shot selection like that that has differentiated the Phoenix Suns from who they are or who they were to who they are. Yeah, they've outgrown that a lot. And it, the whole game, they couldn't make one wide-open three, basically. Anything that was an extra pass, setting up the guy, wide open nothing would go down but in the last five minutes they started to go down for the suns and the wolves too yeah but they just it just works out to where the suns have book uh cp3 hitting the mid-range and then you got deandre and playing that defense so those are the three things that really carried this team in the last five minutes absolutely and you know again team effort it's not one guy carrying the team it's not one guy trying to carry the team and that's what equates to a victory for your phoenix suns on this monday evening winning back-to-back games on back-to-back nights against the Rockets and then the Timberwolves. So plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. If you're watching along live on YouTube, thank you. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell notification button. Hit all of the buttons. Hit the chat button. Hit the super chat button. Hit my button. Hit hit Matthew's button. Uh, If you're listening on a podcast, wherever that may be, go ahead, subscribe there as well. Let your friends know. You know, if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. We'll read it right here on the show. Uh, You can follow me at Darth Voida on Twitter. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. And that's where you can submit artwork that Matthew will post behind him just like he is right now. Matthew, what you got going on behind you? You can submit it, and I'll never remember your name. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. What, what is that? What is that behind you? It's just a doodle. It's. I think it's the first one I put it up. It is. 
Um, and it's just a doodle of DeAndre and Ricky Rubio. We tried to sort it out last time, and I'm not sure who it is. So <laughs> great research and great <laughs> knowing good, what the hell is up yeah. behind you, Matthew. Uh, fantastic job. Uh, without further ado, Matthew, did you go to the store today? Oh man, no time. Sorry, buddy. Wow, we have nothing to pop because I literally just landed. Oh, no. I literally so I didn't even see the first two and a half oh. quarters of this game because I was on a flight. Mm-hmm. I went from Phoenix to LA, LA to Reno. I'm in Reno, Nevada mm-hmm. tonight. And so I missed the first two and a half quarters of this game, and I'm thankful I did because when I tuned in, I saw the, <laughs> I saw the shooting percentages and I was like, Good lord, what the hell is this shit fest? Mm-hmm. Uh but that being said, I don't have anything to pop open. So Jamsters, we're gonna have to rely on you. Pop them if you got them. And uh, let's talk about another win for your Phoenix Suns. As mentioned before, it wasn't the prettiest victory, but a win is a win. The Phoenix Suns win by a final score of 99 to 96 over the Minnesota Timberwolves. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, a win's a win, right? Like, you don't care how we got there tonight, or is there something yeah. you're like, hey, we. I, I got to ask, is there something that needs to be fixed after this type of game? No, not at all. I mean, you're looking at the game and you really kind of want Minnesota to beat you um, to do too much. And I feel like they were doing too much while the Suns couldn't get anything going. We kind of expected that a little bit, maybe because of playing last night, but just nothing was going. And it wasn't like nothing was there. The, the effort wasn't there. The hustle wasn't there because it was there all night. Just the shots weren't falling for the Suns. So basically, just keep it close. Keep it close and make sure the Timberwolves think they have a chance. And, of course, it in the end. But early going, I mean, five points in the first six minutes for the Suns. Even then, it's just like, I'm not worried because the Wolves couldn't do anything to separate themselves. Carl Anthony Towns was trying to beat the Suns by himself. Um, It just seems like he's playing a different game than everybody else. Uh, Anthony Edwards, his defense was really, really crisp against Devin Booker, who struggled early on in the game. Um, But they, they just weren't getting anything to fall and that that's fine it wasn't anything that you know maybe i see cam johnson or shamit miss a wide open three over and over and over and, and over and over again that's that might be something of course but they they get they get an excuse uh the, a lot of these guys get an excuse tonight especially with deandre Aiden coming back and he's kind of you know mixing things up a little bit we still get the win it wasn't as pretty early on for him but then he got into a little groove started crashing the boards doing what he did they kept finding him all game long so that helped them tremendously. That was something that they needed, I feel like, to come in and give Frank, who seems like he had another off night tonight, and McGee a little bit of a break of taking that pressure off of them. And now De- DeAndre Ayton has that back again. Hey, man, uh, an off night for Frank. He played four minutes and went one for two from the field and had three points so <laughs> yeah. uh, and three rebounds. So he had a productive four minutes in there. Um, you know, this is one of those games that you kind of expect on the – the second night of a back-to-back, you know, you, you hear this all the time about teams when they play back-to-backs. If they struggle, you're like, well, clearly it's because it's a back-to-back. And and I'll allow that one. You know, I think that it's tough to, uh, you know, go from Houston 
you know, have a few days off Houston up to Minnesota. There's going to be a little bit of a letdown. You have the Minnesota Timberwolves who are definitely up for this game because guess what? You have Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell who know that their boy Devin Booker's coming to town. And you best believe that before this game started, both D'Lo and Cat went up to Anthony Edwards and be like, listen, you've got Devin Booker. That is your focus tonight, son. Like, you're going to get your opportunities. You can shoot the ball, but we want you to just be in his shorts tonight. And, you know, as you mentioned early on, he was. And you saw it on the other side of, of the court where Anthony Edwards went two for 11, one for six from three, and had only had a total of nine points. Now, granted, he had 12 rebounds, um, but he was spending a lot of his energy on the defensive end. And when you have a young, prolific scorer like Anthony Edwards, so focused on playing defense that it affects his offense. If you're a Timberwolves fan, you have to be happy with that because it shows that he cares and it shows that he wants to get better and shut down the opposition. And he's got to learn how to do both. You know, it's kind of like the Mikhail Bridges factor. Mikhail Bridges for the first two years of his career is somebody who we love because he's the warden because he plays defense so intensely, but there's nights where it would take him out of his offensive rhythm. Obviously he started to grow and showing more balance on both sides of the court. Uh, but did you notice that from Anthony Edwards tonight? So much effort trying to stop Booker that he wasn't really putting it together on offense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of that. And plus he just, he seems like a guy that's more, you know, he's, He's interesting in interviews, right? He's a guy that will always say something that's funny. Um, he has quite the personality, but then on the court, he seems more humble because he knows what he has to do, what he has to do to help his team right now. That's what he seems like. He seems like the guy that will go and play the defense that needs to be done, just like DeAndre Ayton too. You know, we always like we we overlook his defense sometimes, but usually it's just like DA is going to bring the defense and offensively, if he's there, it's good. He's working stuff out this season where he's improving. So he's going to end up getting a lot more touches this season. But Edwards just seems like if there's one thing, like you said, if they want him to focus on, he'll do it. He's not really last season. He was more of a ball hog kind of just give him the, give him the ball, let him do whatever he wants. But when you have D and you have Anthony towns and they're actually healthy and they're all together, they'll have the ball the majority of the time. Edwards will of course be soon. He'll be the, the guy sooner later or later to where he's going to get a lot more chances towards the end of the game like he did tonight. Because you can trust him. I think a guy that doesn't complain like him on the court, doesn't show a lot of a bad emotion towards his team if he's not getting the ball, that's good to have on your team because he was doing everything he needed to do to get the win. And of course, when you're playing a team like the Suns, it's just a matter of time, especially guarding Devin Booker. It's just a matter of time till that guy gets his shot to go down. So there's only so much you can do. And the Suns were always the other end of that, trying to stop the star for three quarters and in the last five minutes he just comes alive and now the Suns oh, yeah. have that now the Suns have those players on their team to where they can just finish the game off so i like edwards i like him a lot i even liked him last year it's a learning curve but he's a guy that seems very disciplined and really takes everything very very seriously in the right kind of emotion yeah he's he's gonna ball out in this league and again you know as you mentioned uh, the Suns shut him down or he shut himself down until the very end of the game. Of course, he hit that one three. I was like, oh, of course, here he comes. You know, it's just like typical, yeah. typical mm -hmm. shit. You know, like you hold a guy the entire time and then it's at the end when he comes out and, uh, you know, he he puts forth a couple big shots. And he's like, yeah, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> you know, obviously the big news entering this game. Watch. The return of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, he looked a little bit more engaged last night. We were talking about it, how it looked like all of his friends were on the, the playground during recess and he was stuck inside, you know, banging erasers together. And he just kind of looked mm -hmm. a little down yesterday. Uh, 
He got to play tonight, put up a really solid stat line, 22 points on 10 of 14 shooting. He had 12 rebounds, so 22 and 12 for the big guy. Uh, one assist, five personal fouls. Um, what do you see from DeAndre Ayton tonight? Well, early on, I feel like Chris Paul really enjoyed him being back. There was a little bit of a mean bounce pass to him on an inbounds. To, um, we, when, when McGee and Frank were in the games for DA, when DA was missing all that time, you noticed that things seemed to be easier for the offense and for Chris Paul. It seemed like Kaminsky and McGee were, I don't know, just in the right place at the right time. And DA in the beginning of the game, it just didn't seem like he was even on the screen half the time in the beginning of the first quarter to where, you know, like they're zooming in on the offense and it's like, where's DA defense? Where's DA? He's lagging behind. So there was a little bit of that. But then once you got past that and Booker started to find him on some, on some screen and rolls, uh, some alley-oops, then he came alive, man. I actually noticed that the availability for Aiden seemed to continue to improve. That's something that we always talked about, how him and Paul have a connection, how he's, giving himself and his teammate an opportunity for him to get the ball. But then towards the end of the game, he kind of he kind of went away from that. There was a few plays to where he wasn't asking for the ball. I remember, I think he was being guarded by Patrick Beverly. Yeah, on the block. That, that play and Chris was Paul's like, what are you doing? And he kept pointing the other way. It's like, no, 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 no. Find like, you're doing such a good job of giving your teammates an opportunity to find you and get you a good pass and then work on something down there. Get fouled by Patrick Beverly. You know he's going to foul you. So yeah. he kind of went away from that, but then offensive glass, he was he was stuck under the rim because you know Cat can't play any defense. So when Cat can't play any defense and you're down there and you can sit the ball to yourself, you're going to get a lot of offensive opportunities down there by yourself. And he did that too. So I liked what I saw, good numbers in the end. Um, it just took a little bit to get going, but once he did, he got comfortable and at first, he just seemed kind of like, eh, I don't know if I can get back into this. Kind of seemed like he doubted himself just a little bit, but he he got the confidence back. So I liked what I saw tonight. Yeah, I mean, when my plane landed here in Reno, you know, the first thing I do is I get on my phone and I connect to the Bally Sports app and I'm, okay, where are we at in the game? It was about the middle of the third. And I mean, there must have been three consecutive possessions where it was just like, okay, Devin Booker gets the ball to uh to deandre and chris paul gets a tate and chris paul gets state and again he does this pretty you know six spin move in the lane and lays it up i was like mm -hmm. okay you know this is my first uh uh look at da since he's been back and he, he's aggressive he's putting you know we talk about it making yourself available for those passes not trying to set a high screen and then rolling towards the baseline uh, you know, putting your body towards the key and letting the ball come to you and making it to where Chris Paul and Devin Booker want to get you the ball. And it looked like that's what he was doing early on. At that time, I'd looked at his stat line, looked pretty solid. Uh, and then obviously the end of the game, you know, it was, it was a key point of the game where, you know, the Pat Bev play was kind of frustrating. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, they, they get a switch. DA's got Pat Bev pinned. Uh, you know, they kind of, they, they, they pump fake to try to get him a pass on the interior. Uh, Pat Bev kind of does a move on him, kind of reverses the seal. And, you know, Chris Paul's looking at him and like, he just kind of gives up on the play. Uh, yeah. but, th but then, you know, the, the next play down, you know, and Eddie was literally like calling it on the broadcast. He's like, listen, Booker's playing so well right now. Chris Paul's playing so, so well right now. Like DA's going to find himself open. And in that moment, he's like wide open under the basket. And he took a little bit long. You know, he brought the ball down and almost got swatted, but he did end up laying it in over Carl Anthony Towns because, as you mentioned, Carl Anthony Towns isn't playing any defense. And that was just, you know, that's the perfect symbiotic thing that you need at the end of a game in the last five minutes. There's a reason why the Phoenix Suns are one of the most clutch teams in the NBA. It's because they know who they are 
in that last five minutes. And when you have Chris Paul cooking, and he was cooking in the fourth quarter, and you have Devin Booker cooking because he was sizzling in the fourth quarter. As Eddie mentioned, it's going to open up down low for DA, and he's got to take advantage of those situations, and that's what he did tonight. So again, you know, and you see it in the chat, and it's it's always going to happen whenever you play the Minnesota Timberwolves, and you see Carl Anthony Towns, and you see him drop the numbers like he did tonight: thirty-five <laughs> points, thirteen rebounds, ten of nineteen shooting, ten for eleven from the free throw line. Uh, a cool seven turnovers for Carl Anthony yeah. Towns. You know, the great debate always begins like, oh, should we trade DeAndre for Carl Anthony Towns and Cats better than mm-hmm. DA and this, that, and the other? It's like, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I would rather take DeAndre Ayton and his 10 mil right now. And, you know, who knows what we're going to pay him moving forward if we pay him moving forward. Whole nother discussion, whole nother topic. I'd rather take him right now for 10 mil on both sides of the floor than Carl Anthony Town putting up this 35 and 13 in a loss uh, any day of the week. I'm sorry. And his 35, 36 million dollars a year. I just, I would. And that's where I stand. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for that because I think um, sprinkle that defense in at the end of any any uh, fourth quarter from a big guy, you know what I mean? If you have that presence underneath, and I think we talk about it all the time, of course, but him deflecting shots, like he's a guy, even like Frank did a good job, but you know, Frank, I'm just saying, just, just an example, Frank gave us those good games, but then defensively he was there, but then he just can't be there every night. It is just so fragile. How it, how, DA is just the guy that can be that guy every night, you know, just to bring the defensive interior. And when you have these guards too, like Anthony Edwards, um, who do we just freaking play? I forget. Um, the Rockets? One of the, no, it was uh, my MVP, John Morant. Oh, so yes. you're playing against these guys that love the drive. They love to get into the paint. You need that, the defense, even at the end of the game today, DA playing one-on-one with Anthony Edwards made the, made him ha- shoot a tough shot or maybe it was D'Lo. And he made it, but it was still, he stuck with him, didn't foul mm-hmm. him. That's what he can do. And then we're looking at Carl Anthony Towns, and I even put in my notes for Paul that all I put was seemed annoyed by DA. Can you imagine how annoyed he'll be with Cat oh if Cat was on this team playing defense? It would be a totally different story. It'd be more, it would be the effort, all that. So I think DA is getting that effort. The defense is there. So just, just off of that alone is over Cat. Yeah, and again, you know, you look in the chat and Metal Mike says this, and I agree. He says, I like Cat's passion. And I think that's obviously one of the reasons why DA turns a lot of casual fans and even some of you not so casual fans off is he's not out there screaming and yelling after every play like Carl Anthony Towns does and you know he cat hit that huge three that I mean he looked like Steph Curry out there you know he's taking 33 footers and just you know netting them so of course when you look at the offensive side offense is sexy right everybody wants the guys you know (laughs) it's like it's like (laughs) Anthony Edwards you know he's a normally offensively he's a sexy guy because he can he can put the ball in the bucket in so many different ways, and yeah. that's been Devin Booker's thing for years. Is you know he was a you know what what was the phrase uh, empty stats guy you know good stats bad team guy because yep. it was sexy that he could put the ball in the hoop but he he wasn't winning, and he wasn't playing any defense. And now you look at Devin Booker; he's a much better defender. He's not the greatest defender by any means, but you know what? I'll take him over the likes of uh, Donovan Mitchell any day. You know. Uh, and Carl Anthony Towns kind of the same way. It's sexy when you put up these huge numbers, but when you start to get into advanced metrics and you start to look at the analytics and, and you notice that, you know, from a defensive standpoint, he's not mm-hmm. necessarily 
you know, the, the best guy on the court, you know, if you it, just look at their team. Okay. Uh, you know, he's got a defensive rating right now of one Oh seven, you know, that's pretty decent for a big man. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, from a clutch standpoint, you know, he, he doesn't know how to play defense in the clutch and DA does. And we saw that, as you mentioned tonight on those last few possessions, the shot deterrence and the ability not to foul is something that DA definitely possesses and that you don't really see with Carl Anthony Towns. And again, I'm not like Carl Anthony Towns is a fantastic basketball player. He really is. Uh, I've always been a fan of cat. I just never thought it made sense here in Phoenix for one, the price tag and two, the defense. Like I love defense. Obviously this team now plays defense and look at the fruits of our labor. We've won nine in a row. Okay. We're 10 and three. We're the second best team in the NBA, you know, statistically. Okay, and everyone's like, "Oh, Carl Anthony Towns, he's great. You can build a franchise around him." He hasn't won shit. They're now what four and nine. Like, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the statistics. The proof is in the records, my friend. And you can't. He can't win a game like this. Like Da can. Da won this because of his defense. And Cat was trying to make a shot at the rim, trying to drive against Da. And Da makes it so difficult. He yes. does. And if Da, of course, has the offensive talent like Cat, that'd be awesome. But he he's not that good, and he probably never will be that good. But that's fine. I'd rather just have the mediocre offense and a guy that can shut someone down at the end of the game. Like it's that simple. We're winning games because we we have guys that know how to win the game, like a Booker, like a Chris Paul, and then the Da. And Mikael Bridges is surely he's shortly shortly behind mm-hmm. those guys right now and helping us win games and being one of those guys that you can count on towards the end of the game. So make a shot. But defensively, Mikael is there. It's just you don't see him too much because those three guys are just so focused on towards the end of the games. Yeah. And, you know, again, you look at like D'Angelo Russell, it's kind of the same story. You know, he's an offensive guy who can't play any defense and he had a rough night tonight, you know, 22 points. Again, you look at the end box score and you're okay. Cat had 35. D'Lo had 22. The team loses Uh, seven for 21 from the field, one for 10 from deep. And like, I know we're going to talk about Jay Crowder here momentarily and his 0 for 5 night from deep and his 0 for 9 overall field goals. But that's Jay Crowder, right? He's like the fifth option on our offense from our starters. D'Lo's your second guy, and he's going 1 for 10 from three-point land. It's just got to be frustrating, man. It's just got to be frustrating. Yeah, for them, exactly. And when I was watching D'Lo back up after a few shots, you know, they're showing the camera after a guy misses a shot um, or just, you know, it's... I'm focusing on the way he looks and I'm like, it's crazy before how much we wanted this guy and how much we just have to thank James Jones. I mean, he's a good player, but it's not a guy, even like a Ricky Rubio, we took over him was a guy that can help a team develop. You know what I mean? A guy that can mm-hmm. really, really put a lot of these guys on the, on his back and carry them. Delo's just not that guy. And I wish him all the luck. It's just, I'm glad we strayed away from that because that would have been a disaster. Yeah, Jay Pizzle says it in the YouTube chat. D'Lo is good, but always hurt. Which I was surprised to see him. I was surprised to see him playing because I do always expect him to be hurt. So yeah, Yeah. good point. Yeah, absolutely. And and Lucas says it as well. D'Angelo Russell was chucking up garbage threes. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, it's it's we've experienced that as Suns fans. We have we've had teams with players who are doing things like D'Lo, obviously not making the same amount of money or given the same responsibility that he has, but it's got to be frustrating that that's your core and you just, you, you find yourself in the same situation over and over. And that's what we referenced when we talked about this game last night, as we previewed it, we were saying just that it's like, you know, there's a lot of really good pieces in Minnesota, but for some reason they just don't fit together. And they had Ricky Rubio on this team last year and they, they put a little run, but I felt like they didn't want to give Ricky a chance because you have D'Lo, because you have Anthony Edwards, because mm-hmm. you have this 
this young backcourt of really offensive guys, but no one to really orchestrate the offense, you know, and, and looking at this game, it was an extremely ugly game, right? 99 points is what the Suns ended up with. But I mean, at one point, I mean, I saw like our buddy Suns geek, uh, you know, he was saying, Hey, first to 80 wins, you know, cause through the first three quarters, it was just a shit show. You know, Phoenix had 18 points in the first 22 in the second 26 in the third Minnesota had 21 in the first 18 in the second 23 in the third. And then Minnesota outscored Phoenix by one point, 34 to 33 in the fourth. Like all of a sudden, everybody started hitting all their shots. And it was just a matter of, again, experience and one of the best, if not the best, clutch team in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns, closing out the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road, which, again, it's it's impressive to see Phoenix perform the way they do on a back-to-back on the third game and last game of a road trip to have the mental... Uh, capacity to just push through anything, you know, uh, an off night shooting, tired legs, you know, everything, every, every, you know, Mm -hmm. typical thing you could put on a list, uh, a shopping list of reasons why they should have lost this game. They push through it and they ultimately win it. Uh, You know, let's talk about Jay Crowder. Okay. Oh, for nine. Are your feelings hurt about his 0 for 9? No, or you, no I, I, I welcome it. I love the 0 for 9 games from Crowder. <laughs> bring, it, bring it 15 on. times a year. And this is maybe, what, the first one? But I'm used to it. I, I like it. I, he brings so much more to this team. He was always down there team rebounding, playing some good defense. He even had a block tonight because he does average 15 per year. So I'm no, thinking No that block, he, just one. No blocks. That's ah, all right. Three turnovers. It's okay. He's out there. He's doing his thing. And I don't even notice. Like, of course, I notice he misses shots, but I don't know. I don't notice the O for as much just because of how much he brings everywhere else. And plus, we won the game. So if maybe we lose, maybe it's like, hey, chill on the shots. But even the shots, they look good. He's open. Cam Johnson, Shamit, they were missing shots. Everyone was. They were wide open. It's not like this Minnesota team knows how to close out on threes as well as the other team that we might face next next game against the Mavericks. So, I mean, when you're, when you're playing against a team like that who doesn't, maybe they show some effort, but they're not quick to get on those guys shooting threes. So it just was an off night, man. And I, I, I love Jay too much to get mad, you know? Yeah, I think that we learned last year. It's like, listen, Jay Crowder is going to go through these nights. Uh, we talked about it last night when he shot five for nine from deep, and we're like, you know what? Appreciate these nights, you know, because tomorrow he'll probably throw up an offer, and, you know, show enough, he did. And, you know, again, you look at the way that this team can absorb something like that and still come out with a victory, and, and it's on mm-hmm. the back of Devin Booker, who has 29 points on six for 17 – or I'm sorry, seven for 16 shooting. So 29 points, 16 shots, 13 to 15 from the line for yes. D book tonight. Had the five rebounds, the five assists. Chris Paul, 21 points. DA, 22 points. I mean, so the majority of your points, over 60% of your points are coming from your stars. You can absorb Jay Crowder and you can let him play defense and, and try to put a hurting on, uh, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he, he was playing Towns on some possessions and he was getting under his skin and you were seeing it, you know, the typical, like, I'm going to put my hands up. I'm just going to kind of lean into you before the ball's inbounded. And you see Carl Anthony Towns get frustrated with it. Those are the mental games. That's the experience that this team possesses that can get under the skin of a team that, is having a hard time winning because when you're having a hard time winning, everything becomes a little annoyance, right? <laughs> like think of those days yeah. where you feel like you're going to lose today. 
right? Like you get up and you stub your toe getting out of the bed and you're like, oh, geez, a fucking course. This is how mm-hmm. my day is going to start. You can't find your keys. You always put your keys in the same spot, but today they're not there. Like you get in the car and you're hitting every red light on the way to work. You know, all that is like how the Minnesota Timberwolves feel playing basketball, not just this season, but for like the past five seasons. You know, they they, they tried to incur the spirit of the Kevin Garnett Timberwolves by wearing those jerseys tonight, man. And like, not going to lie, they look pretty sick, right? They look good because the way that they're just adjusted, everything that used to be, well, maybe back then the bagginess and stuff was cool and stuff, but now it's just like everything is so shaped to these guys. It fits proper. Everything just fits good and looks good. So everything's really clean. It's really hard to mess this stuff up unless you have the Suns orange jersey, which is, you know, the the worst uniform to have. Um, But if you wanted to talk about Devin Booker really quick. um, Go for it. Man, his third quarter and the chippiness of the fans – Everything that Cat was doing on the technical that just gets book going. He hit that um the the pull up three that he never ever makes, and then like gives it to the crowd. That's always awesome. But the best thing is he's learning from Chris Paul. He gets the line. He kept trying to get to line endlessly in the beginning of the game until he finally got the foul called. And after that one foul, then he goes to the line over and over and over again. When Chris Paul knows the shots aren't going down, tries to get to the line. Devin Booker could do that better than Chris Paul because he's more athletic. Mm-hmm. He can get, he's a bigger body. He could throw himself into people without getting hurt right now. So the more and more Booker is learning that from him, the more and more we're going to see that. And we just, we keep seeing it consistently because he knows coming into this game, especially from the beginning, he's like, nothing's going down for us, for me. I mean, we got five points. And I think the game was like five to five for like the first 24 minutes. So he just knew exactly that he needed to get to the line that's what he did so it, props to him man because that's something that a lot of players won't do because they're like oh no let me just keep shooting the way you know and he just yeah got the line man very well, proud again, of him. well again you know as you mentioned anthony edwards was taking out him out of his game early on so he's like mm-hmm. well i've got to contribute and again that's the start that's the sign of somebody who is a mature nba player and who should be an all-star this year i mean we, we've talked about it probably in the last three podcasts about how he needs to you know be an all-star we don't know if the statistics will be there i think he'll be an all-star i don't know if he'll be a starter but you know the suns keep winning i mean obviously great things are going to happen there um you know looking at a couple other things when you when you talk about this game uh the fouls mm-hmm. it was definitely a chirpy game as you mentioned uh when i tuned in after getting off that flight you know seeing devin booker going at it with the with the crowd see him kind of you know chirping with cat chirping with delo getting you know kind of under their skin as i mentioned you know which is a the sign of a, a good team if you will uh you know there's a lot of fouls in this game the nba average for fouls by a team is 19 it's 18.9 entering tonight the phoenix suns committed 23 fouls the minnesota timberwolves Minnesota. Did I say Minnesota? Minnesota. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota. Uh, they they committed twenty eight fouls tonight, and it was definitely one of those nights where I mean I heard the refs you suck chant multiple times in uh, where do they play at the Target Center? Is that where mm-hmm. they play? Uh, so the Target Center crowd they were pretty pissed off. Uh, you know what did you see from the referees? And, you know, because we talked about it before that this has been a really fun season to watch basketball because it it feels like there's less referee involvement and it feels like the players are being allowed to be more physical and you're seeing it benefit players, you know, kind of across the board. The Frank Kaminsky's of the world. He's a physical player uh, who typically will get fouls called on him. That's not getting fouls called on him, you know. So what do you see relative to the refereeing this evening? You know, it's the first game, I think, where 
there was multiple calls like back to back that were really bad called against the Suns, and Chris Paul had to really pull the referee aside. It doesn't really matter. It'd be like, what is this like? I was even on the other side of the court, and I know the ball went off of the Timberwolves' foot. So he had to kind of get in the, I think it was a lady ref's face a little bit. She was kind of, I'm not sexist. I'm just saying that she was the one that was getting focused on, and everyone was really chanting, like, refs, you suck, because she kept blowing calls, and then there was a reverse, too, that was called against the Timberwolves that really got that chant going. Um, but it just was more physical, and the refs, all in all, they were just calling more fouls. And I think we can we can go through these games once in a while for the majority of the season so far. It's been very, very easy. I even looked at the clock when the, it was like three minutes left and it was already um, eight 30 here, Arizona time. And I'm not used to these games going two and a half hours. They've they're usually over like two ten, two fifteen, And I know it's more of a close game and there's more stops to it, but there was just way more stops because of the fouls, but it was just the way the game went. It was, it was kind of an even flow, even though there were the bad calls It just kind of evened out in the end. And the Suns got to the free throw line a hundred times. So it worked out for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Suns shot 28 of 36 from the free throw line. So 77.8%. And the Minnesota Timberwolves also also shot 77.8% as they went 21 of 27. So the Suns, uh, they had nine more attempts than the Timberwolves. So obviously, you know, the home crowd's going to be frustrated. Uh, Nicholas says it in the YouTube chat. I like that the crowd got pissed. I think I Me agree too. with that because it benefited us. Uh, and we've definitely been on the other side of that. And uh, somebody said it a little bit earlier uh, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Uh, Felix says it. He says they called the game like last year. And that's what I kind of noticed is it was outside of like the Devin Booker going up for a block on a shitty D low three at the end of the game where he bumped him a little bit on the way down mm-hmm. last year. That would have been called all. I mean, you're in the general vicinity, you know, you're in the same building. They call that right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think it's one of these things too, where, it wasn't really like that in the beginning, beginning. And then I think Booker and other sons kind of forced themselves into contact. And I know the T-Wolves are very young. So if you're going to play a team like this, they're going to foul more because they're just out of position. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul almost, I mean, he had like the reverse nutmeg against somebody. Yeah, that was <laughs> like sick. He's just, he, they're messing around with these younger teams and they're just doing what they want to do. So if they're going to start trying to get the calls, you know, something they couldn't do last year. I think it's something they can achieve this year because they're a lot more smart when it comes to just trying to get to the hole and drawing the contact to get to the line. Yeah, and again, you know, this this happens, and for the most part, I'm a fan of the way the games have been refereed thus far this year. Mm-hmm. Again, I think the only thing that really needs to be improved is the the foul on a fast break. Like, that should be a technical foul. Get rid of that shit and let us see fast breaks again, you know? Yeah. I still don't understand why you would take away fast breaks from fucking basketball it's the best shit in basketball it's the one thing they missed dude it's, it's the one thing yeah like please fix that shit next year because seeing devin booker it was last game or the game before where devin booker's like running a fast break and he throws an alley-oop to to mikhail bridges like you don't see any alley-oops anymore because you know they, they kill the fast break but i mean for the most part you know this has been really a a good season relative to the refereeing obviously tonight it was a little bit of uh there was a struggle by the the refs uh everybody's you know just calling out all the things that were messed up on both sides. You know, both sides uh, were hurt by this. But again, maturity. The way that the Phoenix Suns handled some of the bad calls versus the way that the Minnesota Timberwolves handled some of the bad calls, obviously understanding that the home crowd is there and behind them and almost egging them on, the emotions higher on that home team because of those bad calls. Uh, it, that That's the difference between winning and losing. 
You know, I mean, they had two technical fouls, the Minnesota Timberwolves did. And you, you can't lose your head in those moments. You can be frustrated. You can have the conversations, but you can't lose your head. And that is something, again, you know, when, when I look at the Timberwolves, they remind me of the Suns from a few years ago. Is It's a team with talent and a team just can't get over that hump and start winning games. And you see this year in and year out with them, and we saw it year in and year out with the Phoenix Suns. So uh, this is a reminder, everybody, I see you know, a lot of great engagement on the YouTube chat. If you are here, please, you know, Drop a, a comment in the chat. Throw a thumbs up on on uh, the pod, if you will. It lets everybody know where to find the best Phoenix Suns content on the internet after the game. Best post-game podcast right here, Suns Jam Session. So, um, you know, again, well, another thing I want to talk about before we get to, like, the jam star of the game and, and all that fun stuff uh, is just really, you know, the rotation. I was really interested in seeing, with DeAndre Ayton coming back, how was Monty going to approach his – Backup center rotation. Uh, I didn't see the first quarter. Who came in first? Was it Kaminsky or McGee? Now, granted, I know Kaminsky only ended up with four minutes, but was McGee first off the bench? Yeah, it was McGee. <laughs> okay. Uh, he just so, cracks me up. Sorry. Which one? McGee or? McGee. McGee. I, don't yeah, you love Frank. McGee, man? Yeah, he he was uh, shacked in a full a little bit today in the third quarter. <laughs> How so? Uh, he had um he had like a fast break. He took a little bit too far and kind of fell over and lost oh, no. the ball. So. <laughs> Well, other than that, man, he played great tonight. He was great, but it was me. All right. So, I mean, that makes sense, obviously, you know, second team, third team. Uh, But I do like that Monty at least threw Frank out there for four minutes, you know, and I was listening to uh, the solar panel podcast with Dave King and Zona Sports. Mm-hmm. fantastic Phoenix Suns podcast. If you guys aren't aware of it, obviously they go live every uh, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. So I was listening on to the, uh, you know, I, I was I don't watch it live because if I get a chance to sleep in, I'm sleeping in. Um, but I was listening to it on the flight up here to, to, to Reno. And one of the things they brought up, and I want to get your thoughts on this, was does Frank Kaminsky's performance thus far this season um, really just make you miss this guy at all? The Sarich Smoke Break. Like, do you miss our old buddy Dario Sarich? It's been a long time since yeah. he's that drop. You know, <laughs> I'm watching uh, Sopranos again, and I don't know if there's any Sopranos fans out there, but um, Furio, the guy they brought over for uh, What's from Italy, the Sopranos. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a great show. You got to watch it. So Furio comes over, and he's like falling in love with Carmela. And that just reminds me of Sarich every time I see him. I know they're not the same nationality. They're not the same kind of guy, but they both look like they smoke cigarettes. And they both look like the guy that would be, you know, trying to date Carmela, who is the wife of Tony Soprano. Yeah. So I just, I kept thinking about him every, and I'm, today I thought about him because I don't even think about Sarich whenever I watch a Suns game. I think about him when I'm watching Soprano. Man. So I, yeah. Is that what the, what the question was? What's the question? Just, are you asking me, um, <laughs> do I think about him? Was that what you're asking? Yeah. I mean, like, do you miss him at all? I mean, has Frank replaced your affection for Dario because of his productivity? Cause I mean, essentially he takes up, uh, when DA was out, especially he took up the Sarge minutes and he's mm-hmm. doing so in a more effective way. So it's like with Frank Kaminsky's, I wouldn't say necessarily emergence, but increased productivity. Does this make Dario Saric even more expendable? And does that hurt your feelings? It does. It does, right? I mean, DA that, was yeah. expendable, right? <laughs> at, at the, Everybody's at the expendable. Being. Yeah. So, I mean, it does. And it sucks. I mean, <laughs> John, him, John, John Carl in the chat. 
I miss Dario's big booty. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Just take that thing and man. throw it around down in the paint, man. We've got to get an imprint of that thing. Leave it at the arena. Just you know, that's the next statue. It. it should be his uh, biscuit it, butt it, it be outside biscuit. the arena. <laughs> no, it needs to be like just a painting on the court where he used to always fall. Yeah. <laughs> Fabio in the chat. Dario for cat. Let's do this thing. I don't know. I would keep Dario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. From a from an affordability standpoint, no. Uh, yeah, now I'm gonna always think about Dario whenever I watch uh, the Sopranos. Thanks for that, bud. <laughs> Thanks for that, amigo. Um, what other questions did I have for you? Let's see. I had, I had one more. Oh, uh, at the end of the third quarter, mm-hmm. um, tell me you didn't think that Malik Beasley's half quarter was gonna go in. Like, oh, I'm like that's going in, <laughs> and it almost did. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I was waiting for it to go in. And uh, that momentum they carried into the fourth was kind of scary because they, they gathered that. And that was one thing we always talk about on the podcast is ending the quarters good, you know, getting that momentum. And the Wolves did. And I thought that was going in. And I always think about you. Anytime these half-court buzzer beaters go, I always think about you. If this goes in, we're going to talk about it on the pod. But yeah. <laughs> it was. yeah, I was waiting for that thing to go in, and it didn't. And <laughs> lastly, uh, Patrick Beverly. Let's spend a couple minutes, obviously. It's the first time we've seen Patrick Beverly since the Western Conference Finals and him rudely, just ever so rudely, pushing Chris Paul in the back. Uh, you know, he ends up in Minnesota. And you know what really pisses me off about Pat Bev? He's wearing Jordan 11s. And that's my favorite shoe. <laughs> and it pissed me off yeah. when I saw him rocking Jordan 11s because I think they're the cleanest shoes ever worn ever made i think the university of florida like everybody on the football team wears them but they're blue i mean they're just beautiful shoes they're classy they're classy yeah they're athletic uh and then pat bev's out there wearing them uh tell me what you thought about stupid patrick beverly tonight and his twerking while chris paul is at the free throw line right this guy's a trip and i honestly I, he? I i pay attention to chris paul most of the time when he's on the court just to just see him ignoring pat bev because he has the upper hand right he got into pat oh, bev yeah. so much with the shove so he he's already above him on the level of just um in, uh, being a human being so i i think that um when i watch pat bev i know there's gonna be something stupid he does but of course he gets like that tip in or was it like uh i think it was an and one right an over and eight one, yes i think i'm like oh, pat bev like oh shit Hold on. <laughs> What'd you do? Is everything okay there? There you go. See, Pat Bev, <laughs> yeah, see, you. Yeah, I hit my uh, mic out. But um, anyways, yeah. So he uh, <clears throat> he's a guy that I knew would get like a stupid play against the Suns and would just drive you crazy. But I'm glad that the Wolves didn't win because of that. Otherwise, it would just been that much more frustrating. But I just want to keep him, you know, buried down. I don't want to see anything good from that guy when we play him. I'm sick of him. Yeah, he just, you know, like, Pat Bev is what he is, you know, fake tough guy. Some people like to, you know, especially if you're, if you were a Clippers fan or I'm sure the Minnesota Timberwolves would say the same now that he's a member of their roster, but you know, that's the kind of guy, you know, he just, he gives it all and he's doing it for the team and he likes to get under the skin. Yeah. yeah. And like they have like kind of all the, <laughs> the, the lines on why you should like him. Uh, you know, like he, yeah, remember Yasel Puig? Yeah, yeah, Dodger. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, played for the Dodgers. Uh, was one of those guys who's just annoying as shit to everybody except Dodger fans. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you, I was right along with him as a Dodgers fan. And the moment he was gone, I was like, "Thank God, this guy's fucking licking the bat and like you know chewing on his gloves and stuff." You know, in the outfield, it's just like get this shit off my team. 
And Patrick Beverly is just one of those basketball players that, you know, he's, he's born to annoy and he, what he lacks in skill, which is a lot, he makes up for an annoyance. So it was nice to see him lose again tonight. Uh, I'm just kind of pissed off that he did it wearing Jordans. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might play drunk. Nicholas Blackson. <laughs> he might play yeah. drunk. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know you All right, man. Bet on it. Okay, this is where we reach out to you, the Jamsters, on Twitter before a game, and we just give you a prop bet. Okay. And if you're living in Arizona these days, uh, obviously all the sportsbook apps are all the rage. All my friends are losing their money left and right because they're betting on stupid shit like the Buccaneers yes, uh, yesterday, uh, <laughs> myself included. Uh, so we just reach out on Twitter. So if you don't follow us on Twitter, please do, at Suns Jam. And we put a poll out there. and We go, hey, here's a prop bet. We're going to spend one buck on it. And we lost again tonight because we said, hey, nice and easy. Are the Suns going to be over 113.5 or under 113.5? 75% of the Jamsters said over 113.5. And once I got off the plane, I looked at the score. I'm like, a fucking course. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know? And and like mm. it's literally got to the point where on Twitter, we have some Jamsters who are like, listen, no matter what the poll answer is, like go with the yeah. opposite because you're losing money every time doing this. And we're down like five bucks. But I mean, still, like it's just – uh that's bet on it, baby. So, mm-hmm. you know, stay tuned on Wednesday. Check us out on Twitter first thing in the morning and see what we're throwing out there and, and answer that poll. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, if you're watching along live, let us know in the comments who your jam star of the game is. And if you're listening, uh, just say it out loud. I don't care where you're at. Maybe you're standing in line at Starbucks. You got AirPods in. You only have one in because the other one's charging in the case. And just, you know, say out loud. Be like, yeah, Frank Kaminsky. Matthew, who's your jam star of the game? It's Booker. Definitely Devin Booker, man. He came through in the end. You know, I think in the past, the guy driving him that crazy, right? would just get on his nerves, but it didn't. He was still chill. He's still, you know, he still has that little hangover from their, uh, the proposal to Kendall. So because of that, it carries over. He's just like, I don't care. I'm going to hit some big shots at the end of the game. I'm going to get to the line. I'm going to do different things to really help this team. And he did. So he's jam star of the game, baby. Yeah, I think that's you know definitely a solid pick. And, you know, I'm not going to go against you nef- necessarily for that. But, you know, when I... Again, I didn't see the majority of the game, but from what I did see, uh, Chris Paul, man, I think that's who I'm going to go ahead and give my my jam star of the game to because when I started watching the game and you know I primarily saw that fourth quarter, the Suns scored what I say 33 in the third in the fourth quarter, yeah, 33 points in the third. Or I'm sorry, in the fourth quarter, yeah. Chris Paul had had 19 points in the fourth. He had seven free throw attempts, of which he made all seven. He was two for two from deep, five for seven from the field, had two assists. He turned it up in the fourth quarter. Um, so I'm definitely going to go ahead and, and give it to CP3. And this is my third game in a row giving it to CP3, man. I mean, he's just, again, he just went bonkers, you know? Effortless. so effortless it just it looks and, like it and and when you need those big shots he was there to do it when the suns went down mm-hmm. five he goes down he makes a tough three over carl anthony towns you know just fading away just, you know i mean just nothing but netter yeah so uh that's who my jam star of the game is uh mike b in the chat he says 
hey, John and Matthew, dot, dot, dot. And then he doesn't say anything. I kind of want to know what, what Mike B's going to yeah, say. Yeah, I was waiting for it too, but um, hopefully we'll just, it's good news. I don't we'll know. Just, we'll, just, we'll find we'll just, out. Huh? We'll just let that one go. All right. Next up, Suns are coming back home, baby. Coming back home. They play on Wednesday and Friday, both against the Dallas Mavericks. So what are you thinking about the Mavericks, Matthew? Um, I don't know. You know, eight and four right now. They're now nine and nine and four. Are they, they nine won, and four? They won tonight. They beat Denver by ten. Okay, you know it's uh it's a team you don't want to see anywhere in the playoff race. You don't. You just want them to go away because of one guy, of course, Luca, who is fat again and who's out of shape coming into the season. So I but guess he'll play this record into shape. before. Yeah, I mean it's it's something I think you just have to look forward to as a Mavs fan to know he's going to be out of shape and he can just play himself in. I mean, as long as they're winning, it doesn't matter. Um, what I love to watch, and I can't wait to see this again this year, is just Mikhail versus Doncic, right? You want to see mm-hmm. that matchup. And then how Aiton plays off of that too again, where he's going to help him on the second level. So I'm looking forward to that. The Mavs team, though, is just it's very confusing because you can just see the, the, the way they just go up and down, up and down all year. They do have a winning record, but most of it is never looking that great for them. So they're kind of squeaking out some wins and stuff, and they just beat Denver which of course is a great team right now, but I just think that Dallas has a lot of work to do and Luca has to get into shape, but I just don't want to see them anywhere in the playoffs ever. So I just hope that we can just beat them and maybe they can fall into a little, little, little losing streak maybe after. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely a team that is, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily surprising people, but definitely playing well. Um, somebody just mentioned it in the chat. So I looked it up while you were talking, uh, from the Dallas Morning News, Luka Doncic limped off, limped off the court, favoring his left ankle with 44 seconds remaining tonight. Um, Nuggets guard Austin Rivers, that fucking Austin Rivers, I tell you, oh, uh, fell into his leg from behind after Luka Doncic tried to block Rivers' layup attempt. Um, he's had a history of uh, ankle injuries, including missing 11 games during the 2019-20 regular season because of right ankle sprains and dealing with a left ankle sprain during the 2020 playoffs in the NBA bubble. Kind of as you mentioned, when you're a little top-heavy, those ankles, they're they're a little fragile. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he plays even in this game. Um, looking at the recent history with the Phoenix Suns over the Dallas Mavericks, the Suns have won the last six in a row. The last time the Suns lost to the Dallas Mavericks was November 29th, 2019, um, where the the final score is 120 to 113. So ever mm-hmm. since then, the Suns' six-game winning streak against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka, Luka Doncic. So um, it'll be really interesting, obviously, to see if the uh, the Dallas Mavericks have the capacity to put Luka Doncic on the court, what that means for that team, and what this that means for the Phoenix Suns. Because you know, we, we get up when we play against this team. Uh, they're a team that's tied for the third seed. You know, the Suns are the, the two seed right now. So obviously it's a big, uh, big game. You look at, you know, Kristaps Porzingis is second on the team in scoring at 17.9 mm-hmm. uh, points per game. You have Jalen Brunson, who's coming off the bench, 14.9. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., 14.2. Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleber. You know, when you look at this team, Team that definitely possesses size. Uh, it's it's another team that doesn't doesn't make sense, right? Even when like a, a healthy Luca does does the Dallas Mavericks make sense to you when you look at the roster? 
They they don't just because of him and Porzingis. The way Porzingis plays, I think he's so far away from the basket. I think that might be just something that's mentally uh, like he has to be away because he's maybe scared of getting hurt, right? Because he's very vulnerable down there. So him and Porzingis don't make sense. I never thought it did. I thought mm-hmm. they would be eventually broken up by now. Of course, Porzingis being the one traded away, which might still happen. But I mean, Porzingis is probably someone that's maybe a little bit happy if Luca does miss some time. So then he can be the vocal point of that Dallas. And it's, it's crazy to say it's just these players still think like a Porzingis thinks like he can be like the center of a of NBA franchise, like not like not the position, but just the vocal point of it. And just Luca can be maybe his second, the, his wing guy, like the guy next to him. But these guys think that they can run a team and that they can win through them, which they can't. So Porzingis, if Luca's out, of course he gets the opportunity to show that, but it's just crazy how these guys still think that in the NBA where you just know Luca's so much better than you, but you still think you should be the main guy. So keep keep that up because I would like them to break up and then maybe something bad happened, but they're not going to be able to last very long, I don't think, together. No, I'm with you, and I think that that's, you know, that's not like a hot take coming from Matthew either. I think n- numerous people have seen that this team and those two players don't necessarily make sense together. Um, but what really makes the Dallas Mavericks interesting to me was how little they did this past off season, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you'd think that a team that's perennially in the playoffs, they're trying to build around Luka Doncic. They're trying to get better. Obviously they want to win a championship with this guy. You think that they'd start, you know, making a bunch of big moves, some splash trades, add pieces around him. You know, you, you look at uh, the Milwaukee Bucks last off season, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's getting ready. You know, he signs essentially the big deal. What do they do? They bring in Drew Holiday, right? They already have Middleton. Mm-hmm. They bring in Drew Holiday. They bring, they bring in a name that's a complimentary piece. And you look at what they did this past offseason. It's like I, I'm going through everything that they did, and there's nothing that is like remotely splash at all. I don't even think they had a draft pick. Um, but I don't see anything like who did they even bring in? Like Justin Jackson? They, no, they, they waived no, him. No, I don't think they, they didn't get any. They, um, I think it's mostly it's not like who they're not getting in. I think it's the players that want to play with someone else besides Aluka. I just think, I mean, the assists are up there for Luca. I of mean, course. he shares the ball, I guess. But there's just something that maybe if it's in the next few years where they can't get another star on their team, it might be like just you know the the headlines of the newspaper the next day is like. Mm-hmm. Luca can't get along with another superstar. He can't be that guy to play along like Devin Booker can with other guys that, you know, might take away the spotlight. So that might be a thing that the Mavericks have to look into. And maybe that's something we're not seeing because it doesn't make sense for Luca to be there. And if someone not want to sign there, not, not even as good as like a Jay Crowder, you know, the Suns get Jay Crowder. Yes. Why can't they get a player like a Jay Crowder or even better? I don't know. And again, I'm not privy of all their cap room situations and what they can do. Uh, with all of their monies and whatnot. But uh, R in the chat brings up a very interesting point. Says Luca being too good is preventing them from getting a good draft pick. They'll end up being another Harden Rockets situation, which is a very mm. comp, a very, uh, you know, comparable comp, if you will. I think comp comp, is that what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's true. You know, it's somebody who is, he's a guy whose usage rate is that high. It's tough to, you know, you need to have the exact right pieces around him. And I don't even know if it's necessarily like these guys don't get along with Luca because I'm sure that they get along with him. He seems like a really, a really nice feller, 
you know, that Luka Doncic. But the way that he plays the game, it's that's where you, you see pieces not necessarily fitting together. It's it's that Harden, you know, kind of high usage rate ball where it's like this guy needs so much usage rate and he gets so much statistics because he's always having the ball, but he doesn't does he really make those around him better? And, you know, obviously Rick Carlisle's gone. They have Jason Kidd as the new coach there. He's figuring out kind of how his voice fits within the confines of this organization now, an organization that he won a championship with. And, you know, so far, I mean, the it, it's working out, right? They're nine and four. I mean, the team's playing well. Mm-hmm. It'll just be interesting to see how it, it happens. It, it occurs on Wednesday because if Luca did tweak his ankle and is not playing, um, obviously that opens up the door for the Phoenix Suns to either play well or the Ewing theory to go into effect. And Matthew, can you explain to the folks what the Ewing theory is? Yeah, so when Ewing was missed by the Knicks, they were actually a better team. So any team that has a star <clears throat> and they're not reaching their full potential, they're not getting a championship like the way the Mavericks are currently right now, right, with Luca. You're looking at Luca. You're like, why are they not winning? They should be winning the playoffs. Maybe get into a championship this year, next year. If that doesn't happen, he ends up getting hurt or something, and then the team does better and maybe makes a championship or actually, who knows, gets further in the playoffs. And that's a Ewing theory. Yeah. So we'll see how they play without him. Uh, I definitely can see that this is a team that's coming in. They're they're feeling good about themselves. If Luke is not playing, they're going to give it their all in that first game. W- what do you think about the the back to back games at the same arena? Now, obviously, one's on Wednesday, one's on Friday, so it's not like a true back to back. But I mean, we play the Mavericks <laughs> yeah. twice at home. What's what's up with that? <laughs> it's definitely strange. I actually didn't know until right now that we were. I thought we were playing. The, I know we played the Nuggets, but I thought it was the Mavericks and the Nuggets. So just thinking about it right now, it's it's weird because usually what's going to happen is, I mean, this is something like we did like in Mexico, right? You played San Antonio Spurs twice in a row, um, mm-hmm. but playing the Mavericks twice in a row, you know, you're probably going to split that unless Luca's not playing. But even if he is playing, the Suns have their number. But usually it's like you're going to split these two games. So you kind of wanted to go, and I think it's a 10-game win streak the Suns are trying to beat. That's yeah. like the longest in hand franchise history. No. The champions will probably correct me on that. No. Yeah, with, yeah sure. We'll just say no. it's 10. Seven, so seven if they, seconds or less. They must have got looked like 15 or 16. Yeah, that's true. I think they got to 23. So we'll just say it's 10. So to get past that record... We have to beat them twice, and it'd be nice to beat that franchise record, right? <laughs> yes, sure, <laughs> sure. Why not? Let's just go for ten in a row. I mean, I think that's and and you know again, yeah. it's it's they're quietly a really good team that no one talks about. Like Zach Lowe yeah. doesn't talk about them. He's just like, no, they're good. And I, yeah, I've listened to him every now and then because again, I don't I'm, I'm podcast anymore. Is that really? weird? God, that's all I fucking do nowadays. I... Man, I'm flying everywhere. Yeah, no, but I just I listened to Bill Simmons today. No, I listened to the Sun's Solar Panel, and I started listening to uh, I listened to a little bit of ours from last night. I like to listen, you know, hear if mm. we sound crazy or not. So, um, Mike B in the chat, are you guys afraid of peaking too early? No, me neither. The, I mean, we're not even peaked at all. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're not. I, mean, I don't think they're close. We only scored ninety nine tonight. You get know, the but, wins. Sorry, yep. stack, those stack wins up those dubs, man. Yep. Stack up those dubs. Uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get out of here this evening, Matthew? I have nothing else, John. I'm sorry. Unless you want to hear more about Sopranos. <sighs> no. Makes me no. happy. I love that show. I think I'm good. I think I'm. I, I think I need to go get some dinner. I haven't eaten dinner yeah. yet. <laughs> you sound like you're a little hungry. I'm starving over here. You know, I'm gonna get the gabagool, right? You know, there's your <laughs> Sopranos thing. So, um, well, on that note, Jamsters, we thank you for joining us wherever you might be doing so. Whether you're listening 
uh, or if you're watching along live, hit that thumbs up button while you're here. Helps the algorithms, lets everybody know where the best Phoenix Suns postgame podcast can be found. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam so you can submit things that Matthew will put up, you know, up behind him while we're live on the show. You can vote on our polls when and tell us how to incorrectly spend our money all that fun stuff uh, you can follow me at darth voida you can follow matthew at matthew let's see and on that note folks we're gonna see you on wednesday it's an 8 8 p.m start right oh mother effort is it not not, not here in reno it's a 7 p.m start here oh, mother, effort. <laughs> mother effort indeed so on that note we'll see you on wednesday jamsters yes go home and love your family mother efforts <laughs> <laughs>